Thanks for listening to our podcast. The title sponsor of our podcast is Peterson Toyota, who is the largest dealership in Northern Colorado, and they've been doing it for 50 years. Peterson's staff is top-notch. They put your needs first, and they have the best selection at the best prices. Their staff will help you find the car or truck that is right for you. Keep an eye out for the 2022 Toyota Tundra, which rumor has it may be unveiled in late September. There have been a few small leaks online showing the cool new interior. It's going to be awesome. So if you're in the market for a truck or any new or used vehicle, give Peterson Toyota first shot of your business. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Kennelamessa, joined by Michael Rowe. We're just three and a half weeks till kickoff at Canvas Stadium against the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Hope you all got a chance to listen to last week's episode with Athletic Director Joe Parker. Lots of interesting talk about the Big 12 Conference alignment, what it could mean for CSU, what that flirtation process was like five years ago when CSU and 10 others made it past that initial stage to present CSU's value in a two-hour in-person presentation of the Big 12. And uh, he also talked about the NIL regulations, how it affects CSU, what they're doing to to help out student-athletes with that, and and a lot more. So uh, hope you get a chance to listen to that. Today, we'll be shifting gears a little bit. We'll be bringing in former CSU punter Jimmy Kaler, who played from 2003 to 2007. He's now a gambling aficionado. As a, he's a writer for Sportsline, CBS Sportsline. Uh, he was with Woody Page Sports for a while, uh, had a podcast called the Odds On Podcast. Uh, but he is now s- exclusively writing for CBS uh, in the Sportsline uh, sports gambling brand of their uh, – their network. And uh, so we're going to talk a lot about sports gambling. Uh, we can talk about his memories in Fort Collins and uh, Sonny and a lot of good stuff. It's going to be a great conversation. But first, Tuesday was CSU's football media day in Fort Collins. Lots of excitement uh, that we that we're so close to football season here. It's on the horizon. We'll talk uh, a little bit about Coach Adazio's comments from media day in just a second here. But I got to say, just listening to him, and I understand that people are taking a wait and see approach with him. Heck, I, I am too, quite honestly. But, you know, it, it is easy to look at his average record at Boston College and Temple and just say, hey, it was very mediocre. But you, you got to also take into account that both of those programs are underfunded compared to their peers. Uh, and yet he took each of those to the postseason multiple times. We also, you know, we, we don't put enough stock in the fact that he's been part of two national championships at Florida. Uh, he's been at, with programs at the highest levels under great leaders. So I, you know, I think for me last year, I was hoping to see a little more from this team, this program I was particularly disappointed in the offense at times. And there were some special teams disasters, which was a red flag, but you know, last year there were also some very strange circumstances uh, between an odd investigation into the athletic department, as well as the COVID, you know, I, everyone had to deal with that. But, you know, I think with CSU, there were some circumstances that hampered them a lot. Um, so I'm really ready and, and willing to, to see what he can do with a full fall camp, you know, building depth through key transfers and recruiting Had another year of kind of building this program and proving the culture, you know, but when I hear him speak, like he did today, he just, he just exudes that, that leadership and that confidence that you want to see in a leader of a program. It's night and day different than the last regime. Quite honestly, it really is. When he speaks, it is a CEO. It is a leader. Uh, it's confident. Um, when uh, you know, I, I'm again, I, I'm I'm skeptical. I got some skepticism 
just because of our recent history. And again, a few things that we saw last year that were uninspiring. But I do know that what I saw last year, that team never quit. They played uh, all four quarters, played through the whistle. They played with a passion. I think they've got some leaders. There'll be more this year. They, they're pretty, they got some good seniors on this squad. They compete. Uh, and I believe they'll be tough. You know, they'll play with physicality. And I believe that because I think in the trenches on both sides of the football, they'll excel. And, you know, I, I know, and, that, and that's, that's in my opinion, where toughness originates, but was, I know our offensive line in, in, in 2020 in those four games wasn't exceptional, uh, but we did see some improvements. Uh, and I, and I do really truly think that this, what this staff does best is develop good offensive lines. I mean, that's, that's coach Adazio's forte and his son, Louis Adazio running that, that offensive line. So um, I'm really expecting a positive trend to continue there. Uh, we saw strides that the defense made, you know, and they should be even better this year. Um, they should be the strength of the program, quite honestly. Special teams, you don't know, but they do have the best punter in the nation. Their place kicker is young, but he got some key kicks last year. And I do know they've put a focus on improving special teams this year. Um, you know, in fall and spring camp, in fall camp, they've done so. Uh, and that's sorely needed. So hopefully that is a, a, a step up this year. Um, so that leaves the offense, which is kind of where we're all a little bit iffy. Um, but I feel confident that the OL will be better, as I said. That's a key. And then the other key is obviously the quarterback, Todd Centeno. Uh, he could be the piece that brings it all together. If he, if he can get, if he can become what Coach Adazio seemingly thinks is a very good quarterback. Um, uh, uh, Centeno's got weapons in Trey McBride, wide receiver Dante Wright. Uh, new running back transfer, David Bailey from Boston College. And I mean, when you hear Adazio talk about him, um, I think he's the biggest pickup of the year for CSU. So if, if Toddy Santeo can be a leader, manage games, hit key passes, you know, on third and medium, uh, use his legs to keep some drives alive, you know, I think they're going to be good enough on offense while the defense keeps you in games. So, um, you know, as I listened to Adazio talk today, um, he just continues to gush over Toddy Santeo. Um, you know, media day, he raved about him as a leader, as an athlete, as a quarterback. Um, you know, he mentioned he, he does hear all the doubts from fans and he, he's like, I don't understand it. You know, you can't, you can't look at four games, a four game sample and say that, um, you know, he said he compared the situation kind of to when he was coaching at Syracuse um, early in his coaching career. And everyone had said Donovan Nab could not pass the ball uh, or when he was at Florida and there were doubts about Tim Tebow's ability to pass. You know, obviously Donovan McNabb was a very good quarterback. He went on to throw for 37,000 yards and 234 touchdowns in the NFL. Tebow obviously won the Heisman Trophy. He was the SEC's all-time leading uh, passer in, in uh, career passing efficiency, completion percentage, and passing touchdown to interception ratio. So, I mean, they, they prove people wrong, right? And, um, you know, Adazio said that passing is important, obviously. Uh, but it's just one part of the game, a quarterback's game that can help you win. And while he insists that we'll see a more consistent passer in Toddy, you know, he says it's the other things that he does well, like keeping composure, having leadership ability, playmaking ability with his feet, et cetera. You know, those are the things that are going to make him great this year. You know, he says quarterbacks kind of have to have that it factor. He said Tebow used to stand in the pocket and if there was a bear chasing him down, in his face, he would still stand in there and make that throw, um, you know, and he would, he would carry a team on his back. Same with Donovan McNabb. And he kind of threw Toddy into there. He says, I feel like he's got those similar characteristics. You know, he pointed out uh, that everyone looks at 
Centeno's first game passing statistics against Fresno State, which were not pretty, but you know he did miss some throws there, but he also had a few drops, um, and he did a lot of great things with his feet. You know, and then he got hurt. Uh, he played hurt. He competed in those remaining three games. Um, you know, and, and Adazio said, you know, he likes that competitive nature. He likes his leadership. He likes his ability. He says he's throwing the ball great uh, with accuracy. Uh, and he says he's really thriving under offensive coordinator and quarterback coach John Budmeyer um, in, in Budmeyer's first year from Wisconsin. So uh, just could not stop talking about how excited he was for a Senseo this year. And of course, you know, he said that you know, we got to see what he's like when the lights come on and, you know, and it's game action, but he does believe great things are in store. So uh, that's the same kind of narrative that we keep hearing from, from Steve Adazio in regards to his quarterback. So uh, I hope that he's right. I really do. Um, then he was asked about uh, conference realignment and how much he pays attention to that. And, you know, most coaches would say, you know, that's out of my control. I, I, I don't pay any attention to that. Well, he says, I pay very close attention to that. I love college football, you know, and, and he says, quite honestly, the, the university and the, our conference, we've got to be proactive uh, and doing everything we can to position ourselves the right way. He says, you know, when the music ends, we better have a, a seat at the right table. And he's right. So he knows his role in this and he knows that he's got to put up a step forward here with this program and, and be the front porch that we want it to be. Uh, the other aspect, he says, they're really working on ball security and finishing plays. You know, I think he's talked about, he's talked about, you know, explosive plays and all that and the importance of being able to throw the ball downfield as well. I don't think we're going to see three, you know, three running games and uh, three, three handoffs and then a punt. You know, I, I think they do want to stretch the field a little bit, but, you know, he goes, we got to have ball security. They want to be the best ball security team in the country. If you, if you followed uh, coach Brian White on social media, they had him mic'd up this week and he talked about that. We want to be the number one team in the country in terms of, of ball security. So I hope that that comes to fruition. Um, they talked about the defensive line and, you know, he says, you know, a defensive line, you got to have enough depth to be as fresh on the 11th play of a drive as you are on the third play of the drive. And you can't do that playing every single play with your stars. You got to have depth that can come in and rotate. And, you know, some teams will do a good job with, you know, playing with, with tempo that you don't can't get off the field. So you definitely got to have some, some conditioning there, but you got to have depth first and foremost. So um, he says that we do have depth. He says that he's really happy with the way that the Ram defense became one of the better run defenses uh, last year. And they knew that that was a big area they had to improve on and they did, you know, and then he also said on the other side of the ball that they need to be way improved uh, on run offense. And he said, he, he basically immediately said, David Bailey is going to change that. You know, he's, he's called him an elite player, looks the part. Um, so that is a big pickup that uh, that's going to help CSU in his opinion. Um, he said, they're going to have great balance. So not just running the ball, pounding the ball, but they should be able to throw the ball. And it goes back to what he was saying about Toddy. So um, then he talked about some of the, the key transfers. Linwood Crump said has been fabulous. Uh, he's been dealing with an upper body injury. They said offensive lineman Vince Picozzi uh, is also has kind of a hamstring issue, but says that he's going to help us tremendously this year. Um, Mike Schiaffoni has added explosiveness and depth at defensive line. Uh, Anthony Coughlin-Arcus uh, has uh, also another transfer at, L, at linebacker. Uh, he'll also uh, factor in on special teams. And then he also mentioned the wide receiver transfer from New Mexico, Jordan Kress, uh, who said, he said, I really love him. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's got size, he's explosive. He's got a great mentality. And so the interesting thing is he said, you know, we were very meticulous and 
who we brought into the program in these transfers. They didn't just want to bring in guys that just looked the part. They, they had to bring in the right kind of guys with good attitudes that add value to their rooms with no baggage. So they, they said they did, they did their due diligence. They, they leaned on their own eyes uh, and people, you know, the coaching staff, they leaned on what they knew of these players and they knew uh, uh, they trusted people that they trust uh, what they said about these players outside of the program. So um so those are some, uh, what he said about some of the, the key transfers. Uh, and then the last thing is, you know, he talked about the importance of being physical uh, in camp here and really working on tackling. He goes, we're going to, quite honestly, we're going to tackle in practice. He says, I know it's scary because uh, that's where people can get hurt, but he said, we need it. Uh, as a program, we got to get, we got to get tougher and more physical and we're con- continuing to do that. And he said, you know, we got veterans, you know, that may not need that as much, but overall they're, they're definitely going to push the team when it comes to being physical, learning how to tackle. They're going to tackle as soon as it's allowed. They're going to start, you know, when they have pads on, they're going to fish officials regularly during fall camp. So, and they, he said, we're looking forward to getting coaches off the field, just letting players play and see who can function, function and excel without the coaches standing right next to them and telling them what to do. So, uh, those are just a few of the comments that he had. So he was, he, you know, I think he's a guy that just, he comes across as I'm confident in this program. I think we're heading in the right direction. Uh, are we there yet? No, we got work to do. It's not a magic thing that we can turn around uh, with a snap of a finger, but he also said, it's not a five-year, not five-year plan either. We can get it going right now. So, so a lot of exciting stuff. There'll be a lot of, a lot of good news coming out of for Collins and, and uh, media day. So uh, stay tuned for that. All right, let's bring in Jimmy Kaler. Jimmy was CSU's punter from 2003 to 2007 towards the, uh, the last few years of the Sonny Lubick era. He finished fourth in the nation in punting his sophomore year was on the Ray guy uh, watch list that year was also 18th in punting as a senior uh, named to the watch list that year as well. He's now a writer for CBS sports in sports line covering sports gambling. So it's going to be a, a lot of fun to, to talk to you today. So uh, before we start with him, though, let me uh, encourage you to treat yourself to a beverage at Mighty River Brewing Company. They got 15 beers on tap, including the Honey Lavender Belgian Saison, great summer drink, the Little Brookie Hazy Ale. It's their first ever low-calorie, low-carb brew. You can enjoy that. And all the other beers for $5 on Mondays and Tuesdays. They've got food trucks regularly throughout the week and music on weekends. Stop in and say hi to Dan Miller, longtime Ram Nationer, longtime uh, great CSU Ram fan. Don't forget to show Ram Nation on your phone. Get a dollar off your beers. Support these guys. Great guys. Great business. Great beer. And Riverfest is coming up this September. So stay tuned for that. We'll get more details to you as that event gets closer. So, Jimmy, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good, good. How are you doing? It's uh, great to be on. Yeah, so... Um, Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. You know, uh, your your LinkedIn probably needs a little updating. I was talking <laughs> to you to to figure out exactly what you do. I know that you are involved in covering sports gambling and 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 uh, in a few different capacities, and uh, you were involved with the Woody Page uh, website for a while. But now it sounds like you are strictly uh, just writing for CBS Sports and Sportsline covering sports gambling, right? Yeah, that's right. I was uh, I partnered up with Woody Page. We did a lot of a lot of stuff, a lot of different, um, basically any type of content you can think of we were doing. Uh, we did a lot of growing his brand. Uh, he's a legend. He's a great dude. Um, can't say enough about him, but he, I will say this, I think it's time for him to enjoy the fruits of his labor a little bit. Um, he's got a house in Arizona. He should spend more time down there. He's, he's just, if you ever get a chance to meet him, he will talk your ear off, but he has some of the best stories you'll ever hear. Uh, since then, I've 
yeah, I mean, sports betting seems to be taking the world over. So decided to hop on the train. Um, I'm doing a lot with uh, Sportsline on the CBS Sports uh, sports betting, I guess, sister site, if you want to call it that. But we're, we are under the CBS Sports umbrella. Um, cover everything. We just got done covering the Olympics, everything, table tennis, basketball, you name it. We, if you can bet on it, we cover it. So uh, I've expanded my sports horizon in the last couple of months. Well, I, I, I was a big fan of, I'm still a big fan of Woody Page. He was, I, I was a writer out of high school, college. And uh, so he was, he was an idol of mine. Um, for when it comes to sports betting, has it always been a passion for you? Obviously, you know, when you were a student athlete off limits, but um, <laughs> when did you jump into the sports gambling world? So uh, it's always been an interest of mine. Like I've always wanted to know what the spread was or what the, what the over under was. I think I really got into it. Uh, let's see, probably a couple of years after college is when it really piqued my interest. And I was betting with those offshore sports books since it wasn't legal here. I uh, had a, you know, the old school local bookie. Uh, you had to settle up with cash to go that route. So um, that's kind of where the passion grew. And then as it became, or even the idea of it becoming legal started being floated, it, um, it started moving i mean even early in my career my writing career and content career i was doing a lot of vegas odds related stuff uh it was who's vegas is picking to win the super bowl breaking it down like that um but yeah it's slowly become a big passion i wouldn't say it was i mean we did a lot of playing poker during my college career we had some pretty epic poker games up there uh with matt Barts, Dave anderson those guys we actually had a weekly game some of those games got pretty heated but uh it's i mean i still I still talk to those guys about betting we still a lot of us still play fantasy baseball or whatever together yeah so it um i would say the interest started there with fantasy sports and developed into the, the betting side of things is it mostly nfl that you specialize in or focus on it, prior to cbs yes i was uh football, uh, whether it's college or NFL. Um, NFL was probably more of my focus just because the college game, there's so many teams and so many variables there. Uh, it's a little bit little bit trickier to find the info you need to. So um, NFL is, is it's, I mean, it's where a media company's bread and butter is anyway. So it kind of drives everything for us and allows us to cover all the other stuff. But I mean, I will say I've learned a shitload about soccer in the last two months and i mean it was we had the euro and i was betting that like crazy just because i had all this this info coming into my my inbox and i we had we're just now starting to cover la liga uh premier league all this stuff. so it's it's been it's been good so i'm i you know my wife will walk in the room and say what the hell are you watching soccer for i was like now I know, you know, who these guys are and now I have to bet on it. Like, I want to watch it. Well, I, anytime you need to watch, just let me know. I, that's all I do every day is watch, watch soccer. It doesn't matter the, the level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can now, I now feel like I could actually have a conversation with someone about soccer where before I was like, oh, you are a punter. You must know soccer. And I was like, eh. no, I, I know that. <laughs> interesting. You mentioned that, uh, that football, you kind of have a leg up there because of the information that you can get in, in the NFL as compared to college. But I also think, you know, you're dealing with professionals as opposed to 18 year old 
college kids and you never know on a given day what when a college kid might show up or what the motivation level is it's it's just that you got that variable in there as well yeah yeah it's it's true there's i mean college kids handle things a little bit differently than pros and they also don't have you know a million dollar game check on the line so they they're i guess in in college and i was guilty of this too you you don't really um realize that the end could be near for you you're still invincible at that point. So uh, you're willing to be more of an idiot, I guess, in college than you would be um, in the pros. You, I mean, you pull some of the things that you can get away with in college and the pros and you'll, you'll be unemployed pretty quick. So um, there's that there's, I can speak from my experience at CSU with, I know how we approached bowl games and what was going on that week and why bowl game betting is extremely difficult. Um, you just don't know how each coaching staff is going to approach the practice, how the, how much, you know, freedom the players are going to have the week of the bowl. Um, it, it's <laughs> without some inside info, it's, it's really hard to bet some of these college games. Very interesting that you say that because, um, I had always kind of stayed away from, I mean, I, you're never supposed to bet on your own team. I'd love to bet on CSU no matter what, just, you know, it, I did. So some years <laughs> yeah. it was good. Some years it was bad, but I did know that Sonny kind of had that, that mentality that, you know, the bowl games were a reward for the players. It wasn't necessarily, you know, the the first goal to be there as a business trip and win that game, you know, especially mm-hmm. what, what you're probably referring to. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know if you, you were in a, 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 what 2003 would have been the, the one bowl game, uh, 2005 also. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so I played in the San Francisco bowl. And the the poinsettia bowl. And I mean, I can tell you just during my time that those bowl game practices were used to get the freshmen and redshirt guys some extra practice uh, versus trying to actually win. And I mean, that was some of my favorite memories of college, though. I mean, you give us all this per diem and send it, set us loose in San Francisco and San Diego. And I mean, we had. We had some great times in San Diego. We were all over Pacific Beach. We went to the Indian casinos. We we did it all, and the, I mean, and the coaches were living it up too. So I, I can't blame it. It's a reward for the season, um, and we all know how that game against Navy ended up. Yeah. Where I mean, we <laughs> on the flip side, they were being. I mean, they when we had any of those joint functions, it was pretty clear that they were, uh, they were there on business. They were acting like midshipmen, uh, yeah. naval, naval cadets, where we were a little bit more uh, uh, loose, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's so interesting, but it, it, it does line up with, with kind of some bold performances, you know, that, that yeah. we saw over the years. Um, we'll get to a little more related to sports gambling here in a minute, but I, and before we jump into some of these other topics, I do want to ask you while we're talking about it, we've seen some scandals in sports gambling, you know, wasn't that long ago. I guess it kind of was, but ASU was busted for point shaving. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, then just some, there was some wife made an accusation on, on a estranged husband in the, in major league. I think that was uh major league base. Who, who was that? I can't even remember. It was hockey. It's hockey. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this, that's a very slippery slope. Do you think that sports gambling and, and guys are betting on themselves or against themselves even worse. Um, is that kind of stuff more prevalent than we might realize in college and professional sports? Or do you think that's kind of a, a one-off that, that might arise here and there? It's definitely more prevalent than you'd think. Um, 
I wouldn't say that the point shaving thing is, is super prevalent. Um, I don't think any, I mean, I don't, especially at the professional, it's, it'd be too hard with the way with social media and, and the way that most of these sports books are online now to it'd be, I mean, it'd be really hard to cover that up nowadays, but I would say that more, far more people are actively betting than anyone would lead you to believe the NCAA or these professional sports leagues. I mean, it's, it's so easy to bet now that if you, if you want to do it, you can do it. Right. Um, were you ever approached? I know when I was in school, I went, uh, I was at CSU from 93 to 98. And a good buddy of mine that was on the basketball team was just approached at a bar and asked to, uh, so that he could get 10 grand if he missed a few buckets the next next game. Um, did, you, did that ever happen to you, shaking a punt? Or, Jimmy, could you or shake a punt? Your could you let one go through your hands into the end zone? Yeah, yeah. I, I give him a safety or something. No, no, I was never approached in that regard. I was regularly asked about what I thought our chances were, um, whether it be the over-under, the spread, whatever, just or straight-up winning. Um, I, I mean – I would always say we were going to win no matter what. I and mean, even when we were playing USC, as it takes the issue. Uh, and then, I mean, I think we may have covered that sadly, even though we lost 49 to nothing, but um, <laughs> yeah, I never, I never had the shank a punt or, you know, drop a snap and I'll give you 10 grand. And it, yeah. And that, I've heard stories though. Um, not, not from anyone at CSU or anything, but um, I had a teammate when I was with, the Falcons. He was a Ohio State kid, and they had a lot of I don't know what the word I'm looking for shady stuff going on up there. Um, he kind of hinted that there was a lot of under the table dealings um, for a lot of these guys who, uh, you know, they were they were big NFL guys, big time big time recruits NFL. You know, they were on the radar from day one of their college careers. So it was um, that's a different world, though. I would say. I, you know that that type of program yeah a little bit a little bit different <laughs> so um coming out of north glenn high school you were a three uh three sport athlete you played football basketball and baseball um a lot of sunny's recruits back then were two or, or and three sport athletes and i know uh he did much of his in-person recruiting uh watching watching the winter and the spring sports because that's the only time that he could do it What's your what's your feelings on um, today's athletes who specialize at a very early age and you know focus on just one thing? Yeah, I, I hate that with a passion. I uh, I can't speak. Um, I mean, I will if anyone asks me. Like I've had parents ask me, hey, when should we start focusing on this? I was never, and do do everything until it gets to the point where it needs to be a business decision. Uh, which would be later in high school, I would say. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I hated it. Every sport I played helped me with the other sport in, in one way or another. And you're right, actually. I mean, I had uh, Coach Delaney was the guy, was my main contact recruiting coach. Uh, he was at three or four of my basketball games. Uh, came to several baseball games after I signed. Uh, he, the one, I will say this one issue came up with baseball was, and it was, probably why it took them a little longer to offer me a scholarship than they did uh, was they were concerned that I was going to get drafted there and go that route and kind of leave them high and dry in May without a punter. So uh, that was, 
I mean, I think that was the first thing Sonny asked me when I sat down on my official visit was, uh, where, where do you stand on this baseball thing? And if it happens, you know, where's your heart at? And, and it was always football for me. Um, I love baseball, I love basketball, but I, I wanted day one to play football. And I probably, I mean, what I could say, <laughs> being a punter, I, I wouldn't be where I was in football without without baseball, without basketball, without, I mean, the soccer I played growing up, it, it all, it all played off each other. And, and I see these kids now that think they need to play year round baseball or, or whatever it may be. And they're just they're, by high school, their, their arms are done or whatever it may be. And it's, it's just sad. It, it's taking the fun out of sports for, for some kids. Yep. Yeah. I know that uh, several of our, um, uh, earlier guests kind of said the same thing, you know, if it wasn't for, for playing this sport, they wouldn't have been what they were in football or, or whether it's mm -hmm. in basketball. And then you actually answered my uh, next question. I, you know, I pretty sure I coached against you when you were playing. Uh, I was at Littleton high school forever. And then we played a Connie Mack game or in the summer league oh. game. And like, I know that you were all States two times uh, in baseball and, so just what really came down, like why was football your passion as opposed to baseball? You know, I don't know if there was one thing about it. I, I really love the um, kind of, I guess it's the brotherhood aspect of football. You know, the you got, you have the whole summer leading up to the season and then it's, you're just with your guys all the time. And it's the, I mean, it's like the ultimate team sport. And I had a, a really good crew with baseball. Um, really tight, tight knit group. And I guess the one thing that you have to deal with in baseball a little more than football is, is failure. You know, I, I'm in coaching my son's T-ball team and I have to remind him is like these, these dudes in the pros, they strike out seven times out of 10 or get out seven times out of 10 and they're still in the hall of fame. Like you, I mean, in what other industry can you fail like that and be considered great? So baseball, there's, there's a lot going on in your head and I love that part about it, but it was also tough to deal with. Uh, as someone who who doesn't like to fail or mess up or lose or anything, it, it's just it's it's tough in that regard. So when you look at uh, the recruiting process in today's landscape, um, we got the arms race and facilities. I mean, social media likes you know what each mm -hmm. each team and they have people paid specifically for that the uniforms and everything. How would you say today's experience compared to what you went through in your recruiting process apples oranges it's completely different now it's i mean it, when i was getting recruited sunny made a point out of point of saying that we're not about the jerseys we're not about the you know the fancy stuff we're we're a blue collar group and we're gonna we're gonna kick your ass we're gonna hit you in the mouth we're gonna go that that route now i see these <laughs> i get on twitter and these guys are making these videos of their announcements and it's I mean, I, I don't under I don't know how it is in today's locker room, but if that happened when I was playing and these guys got a hold of these videos that these kids are releasing as high school seniors or juniors or whatever, they would have never heard the end of it. It would have been just constant, constant razzing. And I, I don't know it. it <laughs> I mean, when the whole college landscape for me, it's I, I'm happy that a lot of these players are are getting the you know some financial help because they've they've definitely earned it. And then, I mean, when the colleges are profiting with the way they are or the NCAA in particular 
they the players deserve something. But what's what I think is going to happen is we're going to end up with a another division of of college sports where it's going to be uh, you know the SEC with a few other teams because it's let's if we're being honest, like what is Pat Stryker going to pay someone five hundred grand a year to to for a brand partnership or whatever at CSU? And it, I mean, you can't compete like the kid in Alabama who already has a million dollars in NIL endorsements. It's it's going to be a whole nother playing field. And I, it kind of sucks, but I'm on the other hand, I'm happy for some of these players who are for getting getting theirs. You know, it it's as a fan, it, it it's kind of hard to watch. So yeah, so you don't think you're you're as a player. It's it's interesting to get your perspective because you know from our standpoint, and Mike and I were athletes, but we that was never important to me. You get your you get your school paid for, right? And that is your payment. And mm-hmm. now you've got very slippery slopes opened up with, you know, we talked about this with athletic director Joe Parker last week with the Miami booster, who's got a business down there and he's paying each mm-hmm. player on the roster, 500 bucks a month or something like that through the years, you know, and that's, to me, that's, it's not just paying someone because they can bring someone something to his company that he legit, legitimately said, I'm sick of seeing the best players go to Florida state and whatnot. I want to do my part to bring them here. And he's using that as a way to reward players. It's just, I don't know. I don't, I don't think the true spirit of this rule is being used in all cases. And you you can see it getting out of control. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause it's, you're going to end up with a handful of teams that that have these boosters. Like I can't even imagine what Phil Knight's going to start throwing at guys to get them to go to Oregon and then you have, I mean, it's going to end up being like division one, division two, it's just down the line and it's not going to be college sports. Like we were used to. Um, I was, I mean, playing college football was, was my, I guess, ultimate sports experience in my, my career. It was uh, my favorite memories are from playing college football, getting to do those road trips. I mean, chartered flights, it's, there's a lot more that you get as a college athlete that people don't see. I mean, I still have drawers full of apparel that I got, you know, from bowl games or whatever it may be. And there, I mean, I was fortunate to not be in, I mean, I had great parents, great support there. So I didn't need anything extra. I mean, the scholarship was awesome. I, I have no student debt. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I didn't struggle for anything. I had a great, great experience. I got a degree in four and a half years and, I mean, it, it was great for me, and it's just, it's it's turning into, I don't know, these kids are, they're pros now, and it, it is what it is. Yeah. Hey, have you have you toured the facilities at CSU, I, the, the stadium, the locker room, weight room, and all that? I have, I haven't toured the locker room and all that stuff. I've toured the stadium, though, and it's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to what I, <laughs> I, I was there for, I guess I had the, the old new locker room, the Joey Porter locker room at the old facility for a year. Yeah. And that was amazing for us at the time. Cause I don't, I'm sure you guys saw our old locker room. It was like, yeah. like an old YMCA or something. It was, it was so bad. And then our weight room was a, a dungeon and disgusting. And <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's awesome. It, it was, it was long over that stadium needed to happen. Uh, as much as I loved Hughes, like uh, amazing memories out there. Um, it kind of needed to go. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, I was just talking about that today with with somebody. Yeah, Hughes was awesome. Miss it, but uh, yeah, the new stadium's definitely definitely needed. I mean, um, I don't know of any other stadiums where you can go in the end zone and have an actual cocktail. Yeah, that's that's amazing. nice. Yeah. But yeah, that's always a good. I don't think I leave that spot um, during games. Um, so 2003 was your first year in the program uh, as a red shirt. Uh, coming into the season, CSU had a lot of national expectations. Um, supposed to be the first BCS buster. Um, mm-hmm. Bradley, your teammate Bradley Van Pelt, was getting uh, getting some pub for being a dark horse Heisman candidate. Um, what was that like for you coming out of high school? That uh, was a big reason why I CSU was so high on my list. I mean, when I was getting recruited, they got they were like number my actually my official visit weekend I think they were number 12 in the country at that time um and it was it was crazy they were they were so good in every phase of the game uh everything they were doing was amazing and that first year it was it was an eye-opener for me I mean the, the the jump from high school to college is is enormous but then you go and you do it with guys like Bradley Van Pelt and Joel Dreesen was there in his prime pairs uh Brian Save, all these guys that were were great. I mean, we were we were ending every practice. Um I when we broke the huddle our is one, two, three BCS was our was our, our deal. And we came out and was <laughs> that we played CU first. Yeah, Joel Klatt's first game. So we that was I, I still remember uh after that game, uh Bradley broke a shower head off of the shower at Invesco. He was so mad. He I mean it was Kind of, I mean, that was our BCS shot there, but it was a lot of buildup, and that was that rainy game where we had several lightning delays. Lightning, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, but it was a pretty unreal experience coming in as a, you know, fresh out of high school kid into that environment because there was, I mean, we had everyone at our practices, ESPN, which I think was the last time they covered just a, a normal practice for us during my career, and we had... I mean, I, Woody was covering us then, and, the, and Woody was a national sports writer. So it was, it was pretty, pretty crazy to walk into that. And I'm glad I got to experience it then because we never really got had that again during my time. So, what do you think it did to the program when we didn't reach those those lofty goals that season? Uh, I think it hurt. Definitely, it um, it kind of killed our momentum. I mean, we had we were going, we were trending in the right direction. I still think if we, if all this conference realignment had happened at the right time during that era, it's probably us in the PAC 12 and not Utah. And it, it was, it, it was a killer. Cause I mean, I, I, I want to say that was the year we went out and we beat Cal with Aaron Rodgers the next week. It was, you know, we were a national, I mean, we, we became a national team and it was, I think that year was where we could have, had we reached expectations, we could have become a Boise State or we could have become, you know, whoever, TCU at that time. Because we were already getting those Thursday night games where we got a lot of national attention. But if we had kept climbing the polls like we like the year before, I know, I mean, we'd have been, you know, a legitimate BCS threat at that point. Yeah. So your final game in 2007 uh, was Sonny's last game as our head coach. Um, what was that overall feeling in the locker room before and after the game? Yeah, that was a weird week. So I, I actually did an interview with, uh, who was it? 
old Rocky Mountain, uh, Randy Holtz, um, leading up to it. And it was, I, my mom still has the article in one of the scrapbooks, but it was a, a big, long deal about Sonny's future at CSU. And, you know, I was like, this is, he is CSU football. You know, he needs to walk out on his own terms. There shouldn't even be rumblings of him getting fired or anything. So shortly after that published, uh, he, he came up and called me into his office and just, he thanked me for saying that. So that should have been red flag number one, uh, that something was going on. Uh, number two was uh, my position coach, uh, Dave Arnold, was, he was kind of, I mean, he was getting a little more, I guess, emotional than, than usual. And, and then the day of the game, it was like fourth quarter or something. Matt Lubick was at the game and he was, he was at, uh, I want to say Arizona State at the time. And he came up to me and was thanking me for what I said about his dad. And then that's when it started to hit me that I, th I think that they're going to fire him. And then after the game in the locker room, he, he kind of told us what was going on. Uh, he said they, and it was, you know, it, it, on an already emotional day for all of the seniors, it was even worse then. Um, so it, it is what it is. I mean, it should have, in my opinion, should have never happened because he wanted one more season um, and he deserved it. And yeah, it was, I mean, we won when we had a hell of a night, which was, um, one of my favorite nights of college. All those guys came out with us. Uh, Coach Funk, Coach Hammer, they were just acting. I mean, we were all partying together, Lucky Joes. Like, And the coach-player relationship was gone at that point. We were just kind of out there as friends, drinking out of the boot, um, having a good time. But it was, it was also a, a really kind of a tough time for everyone. Yeah, so how important was it to get that boot for him? In that last game, in in retrospect, it was like extremely important because a lot of, you know, I mean, if you really think about it, it was my class's failures that led to him getting fired. And if we're, I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush with it because it is what it is. There, um, we didn't meet expectations for like four years in a row, and and he paid the price for it. So, uh, I mean, at, at the very least, we were able to get him to go out with a win. And a win against Wyoming is always good. Do All right. Do you have a sense of like where things went wrong? I have a few opinions. Um, and I, I, I mean, a, one of the big ones for me was uh, the assistant coach issue. Uh, so I was recruited by Coach Delaney and Coach Schneider, Brian Schneider. Um, as soon as we signed uh, Coach Schneider and I think Marvin, uh, handful of other coach Kerr they all left and went to they got their paydays and went elsewhere um and those guys as you know are I mean they're they're kind of irreplaceable especially a guy like coach Schneider who's one of the top guys in the NFL now so he was clearly clearly uh an asset there and and then I mean I mean Strength and conditioning wise, if you look at the where the program was going under Federico versus post Federico, uh, there's a pretty strong correlation there. Um, I think he was an amazing strength coach, and what he was doing with our guys was pretty crazy. Um, and then that, I mean, there's the just the recruiting thing. So it's, I mean, I, I can go down, I can go on a rant here. If I mean, when oh, go on a rant. When, <laughs> okay, so. When, when Sonny was fired, I want to say, and this is not a knock on Fairchild or any of his staff, they gave 
they gave Fairchild a million dollars more to pay his assistance than than Sonny, and they fully funded summer school. So when I was when I was playing my entire time, it was a fight to get two classes of summer school for us. And that for a lot of guys that I, I didn't need it really to stay eligible, but some guys did. And I mean, a lot of them couldn't afford to stay there without a scholarship check. And they had to go home and they had to go work jobs. They couldn't stay with us and train. Uh, I mean, a million dollars for an assistant pool goes so far. <laughs> I mean, that we if Sonny had that, maybe he keeps Schneider. Maybe he keeps Coach Kerr. Maybe he keeps Marv. You know, it, it's just a joke what they did to him. And I, I, I'll end my rant there um, just because it's it, it'll – it'll end up with me uh, saying some not so pleasant things about some people. All right. It, it, it is hard to believe that, that Sonny, the legend that he was, didn't get to go out on his own terms. I mean, especially if he's just asking for one more year, you know, you grant him, you grant him. Right. And, and really what it came down to is he promised that up the next class behind me, it was like Corey Sperry, um, Kyle Bell, that group. He, he had, sat in the living room with their families and said, I'll be your coach for your whole career. And that was the last class he promised that to. So it, that was, that was the end. I mean, and the, I mean, the program probably could have used some, some fresh blood the way things were going. Uh, Cause we weren't getting the job done at all. It was kind of embarrassing actually at times because uh, we were, we were just getting our asses kicked by people. And, but when you're dealing with the guy who is CSU football like that, you, you kind of, you let him you let him go on his terms. You see even more like his involvement still today and the class person that he is, that there's not people like him out there. So you, the, the right move was to pump all your possible support and revenue and resources into helping him succeed, not not force him out. So you look back on that and that that, that could have been handled way differently. Way differently, way better. So what what is the one game you look back on and wish wish you could have a do over? Uh, I would have to be a couple of CU games because we were so close oh. so many so many times. Um, you had a few was, you had a few in your career where my goodness I don't know how we lost those games. Yeah. like I still to this like very moment don't get it. Like there was the one uh, in Folsom where I think Tristan ran the wrong uh, ran a sweep the wrong way. Uh, and the, the part that kills me is we outplayed them for, you know, 58 minutes or so of those games. And there was my last year, we should have, I think we went to overtime against them and should have beat them, uh, that year. We, I mean, I think in my five years, we went one and four against those guys and probably should have been four and one. Yeah. And the, the one that we should have never lost to in Bradley senior year, uh, I mean, yeah, but if there were, were any individual, it's those ones. And I also just hate losing to them and anything. I mean, I don't even want to lose them in club sports. It, my wife's a buff too, so it's uh, <laughs> I mean, it's extra bad now too. At least my son's on the right side though. So nice. Um, we're I remember, the right I remember each of those games very clearly, and uh, they are still painful. I mean, yeah. that, that 2003 game is about as good as it gets. It was a great game. Uh, unbelievable game. Unfortunately, it was we were the wrong wrong end of it. But uh, you know, so as we were getting ready to to have this chat with you, I was kind of looking through your player bio to refresh my memory on some stuff, and I came across the fact that that 
there was one game where you did not punt. It was like the only time in Sonny Lubick era that you didn't, we didn't punt. And I was like, I, I, I do remember that back then hearing that. And, uh, but it wasn't because we were just dominating that game. I think yeah. we got let's kick Air Force. <laughs> we did, we did. I, I right. know that came you're talking about it. There was a lightning delay that day too, and a, it was rainy. Uh, was it Chad Hall was in his prime there at Air yeah. Force? They they kicked our ass pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I think I mean, we lost forty nine to nothing. And it's gotta be a weird like that's the one weird thing about uh, you know being a, a, a kicker, you know, field goal or or punt, uh, place kicker or, or punter that you know, you work all week, you put in the grind and then you get to game day as a starter and you don't, you don't enter the game. Yeah, it is weird. It's cause you, I mean, I'm not going to say that punters and kickers do as much work as the other guys, but you, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time. Uh, in, I mean, I was with them in the weight room and running every day and everything, but, and a busy day for me would be 10 plays where, you know, these other guys, they're, they're out there 60 plus and, and that's a full day for them. So it's, it's different. It's uh, the one thing that was, I mean, that makes the job a little bit harder is there's, you got your 10 plays. If you screw one of them up, it's, it can really affect the outcome of the game where if you're playing, you know, left guard and you screw one up, you get second down or you get third down or whatever it may be. Right. Um, so that's where I, I like to, when I talk to people, uh, relate the kicking and punting game to golf where it's like you, you have a bad shot. It's, it can, it can lead to a, you know, a triple bogey. Right. And it, it's, that's kind of the fun thing about the position, but also, uh, the tough thing about the position, I guess. So to flip it back over to, to some fun, fun stories, as opposed to the, those air force and, uh, see you. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's your favorite sunny story? My favorite sunny story? Um, God, I, I don't I have so, you know, the, I guess with my favorite thing about Sonny was his delivery. I mean, he, we had these meetings where he would just go on these, these tirades about whatever it made, whatever it was bothering him for the day. <laughs> and the way he would deliver his message, like it, I, it was supposed to be serious at the time, but I couldn't help but laugh because he, he just, the way he he said things and and kind of called people out in indirectly was was so damn funny. And then I mean, let me think of one individual story. I, well, here's a funny one that's I guess kind of personal to me. He when I after I signed with him, he was most excited not about me coming to to punt or because they they didn't have a punter at the time and because Joey Huber just left. It was because he was sick and tired of, as he put it, those other sons of bitches don't know how to play scout team quarterback. Because I was, I was a quarter, I played quarterback in high school, and he was, I think, most excited about me coming there. So he'd have a new quarterback with some experience playing quarterback to run his scout team offense against the safeties he coached. It was, <laughs> it was just the kind of dude he was. He, he, uh, I had there was a game where I dropped a snap as the holder. Um, he called me into his office on Monday and I was like, Oh, this is weird. He's never done this before. I was like, he's what, what's going on. And it was just, he, he's was like, is everything okay with you? Is your personal life? All right. Like what you, you don't drop the ball ever. Like what's, what's going on. Uh, and I was like, I, you know, I, I just, I didn't have an, I didn't have an answer. And, and it was just the, the kind of guy he was. He's, and then we went and we had 
lunch. That's awesome. <laughs> no, he's he's an all timer. I I really wish like hell that the College Football Hall of Fame would change their criteria to you know get him in there because he deserves it. Yeah. So, and you you mentioned this a little bit earlier. Now you were uh, all Mountain West uh, all American. Uh, while at CSU, um, you were an undrafted free agent with the Atlanta Falcons, and you spent a uh, training camp with them before, unfortunately, you were cut. Um, what's the talent difference between the NFL and NCAA? I know you mentioned high school and, and college, but what, what's that huge difference there? Yeah, so I would say the jump from college to NFL is actually bigger than high school to college. So you get the best way to put it is those guys in the NFL that, that suck by NFL terms are all conference guys in college. And they're, they're all like, I, who was there in Atlanta? Michael Turner. I've never seen like his, his legs. I thought Gartrell was thick and, you know, Michael Turner's legs were bigger than my two put together (laughs) and he's, he could still run a four five. And we had, I mean, it was, it was just nuts. These cause they're, they're, the best of the best of the best. And this was Atlanta wasn't even good at the time when I went there. Cause it was right after the Michael Vick thing. Uh, they were rebuilding completely. Some of these guys, I mean, guys who were six, five, two forty aren't supposed to be able to move like that. So it, it's just, then the room for air up there is so small too. So like when I was, I was punting in practice and I mean, CSU, they, I could just kick the thing as high and far as I wanted to they wanted it in like a 10 yard box and graded me on that. So it was, it's just, it's, it's, it's a whole nother world up there and they make it look easy on TV, but it's, uh, it's an eye opener. If you ever get a chance to go see those guys up close, <laughs> it, it will blow your mind. Do you pay much attention to uh, Ryan Stonehouse? CSU's yeah, player? no, I totally follow Cause you know, I, he's going to break my record and <laughs> I, I mean, I, I had to follow it. <laughs> what, what makes him, what makes him an NFL prospect? Um, this is another one I could go on for a while about it. And not that your listeners want to hear about punting that much, but um, the, the, so people talk a lot about schemes differing from college to the NFL um, that goes all the way to punting. So there's a lot of rules that are in place in the NFL that aren't in college that make it a little bit different for, for punting. So for example, you, you'll never see an NFL punter do that rollout stuff just because only two guys can release from line of scrimmage in, in the NFL. So it's, it's just not going to happen, um, which is the, super effective in college. And then when you get to the pros, it, it's hard to find these guys who can do it traditionally now. Um, I think he's pretty good at it. Uh, Hayden was pretty good at it. Um, I mean, we've had a long line of punters. I, yeah. I, I can't figure out how Dion never latched on in the NFL because he was damn good too. Uh, Huber probably the strongest leg I've seen. His problem was that he would just hit one into the stands after he hit a you know 75 yarder. Um, but yeah, it's. I think for Stonehouse to make it, he's going to have to prove that he can be extremely effective in the traditional style of punting versus the, the new age uh, rollout uh, rugby type of stuff. So 
Um, that's kind of what I think it's going to come down to for him. He's the, I will say this, the, the guys who make it in the NFL, the ball sounds different coming off their foot. It's like, if you go see batting practice down at the Rockies, you know, the, the guys who hit the Nolan Arenado, someone like that, the way the ball sounds coming off their bat, it's kind of the guys who have a shot in the NFL. You, you can tell by the sound of the ball coming off their foot. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of, it's pretty rare. I, I hope he, I hope for, I hope he makes it. Um, I, this whole thing with all these Australians coming over, it's kind of driving me crazy too, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> What's uh, kind of looking at today's team. Are you, are you, less bitter these days now that kind of the sunny saga is long ago and uh are you able to follow the program much and still have an affinity in your heart for them and then what what are your thoughts on the football team as of now in the athletic department in general yeah and i never lost my love for the football program ever um i i've supported them i follow them closely i uh, always have um i I haven't met this current staff. I, I knew that a lot of the other guys, I, st I still keep in touch with some of the other guys. Um, Jeff Hammerschmidt is a good dude. Uh, I still talk to on a fairly regular basis. Um, but yeah, it's, I've, I guess my bitterness was more directed towards people that aren't there now um, yeah. anymore. So I, I've, I'll always support the, the football program. Um, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the roster this year. I, I know just from what I do professionally that, uh, they're not really expected to contend for much, um, which I hope is, is wrong. Cause, uh, what did I see today is like 50 to one to win the mountain West, which is a pretty large number. Um, over under was like five wins. So I'm hoping those are, those are low, uh, athletic department wise. I, I just, I mean, I, <laughs> I love watching our basketball program and I, I think we, we have an amazing coach there. I hope he stays. He he's relates well to his players and they love to play for him, which is awesome. And, and he's battling a, or he's fighting a battle that a lot of, I mean, these mid majors are always going to fight too with this stupid transfer portal thing. Um, but yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll always support the hell out of anything CSU related just because it gave, it gave me so much um, some of the best memories of my life. Um, and, and a free college education too. So it's, uh, always, always going to hold a special place in my heart. Uh, I hope one day we are more relevant on the national scene. Um, just for the simple fact one, so I can brag to my colleagues about it, you know, cause I, right. I work with a bunch of SEC dudes, uh, and they, <laughs> they all, uh, SEC is the bet, you know, I, I, I kind of wish that someone would knock them off their throne just for, just for that purpose. But um, what's CSU missing? What 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 do they got to do to get back to like the glory days of Sunny around '94 through 2003? You know, I I wish I had an answer because, uh, I mean, if I guess if I did, I would I would be in a different uh, <laughs> career path. But I mean, I I. I think some of these places they just they know how to win uh they that's something that i don't think during my era at csu we really knew how to win very well um there's something about it when when you know how to win and you're you're just you have a winning tradition you somehow win those close games and you somehow win the recruiting battles and you somehow 
you know, it, it snowballs. And I, I don't know that for a while there we were, our department knew how to win. So with OU and Texas leaving the Big 12, um, we're seeing another shift like we did about 10 years ago. Um, what do you think, uh, what do you see happening uh, on the college landscape, short term and long term? Short term, uh, I think the rich are going to get richer. Uh, TV money, uh, NIL money for their players, uh, facilities, all of the above. There's going to be only a handful of programs outside of the SEC that are going to be able to compete financially. Uh, the Pac-12s, hopefully, you know, post Larry Scott are going to be a little more competitive there. Uh, hope whoever they hired is going to be able to get them a better TV deal and more, more national exposure. Cause I mean, the way things are going, the SEC is going to be King. Uh, everyone's going to throw all their advertising dollars down there. Uh, they're going to have a NFL type of bidding war for their, their TV contract. Uh, long-term, I, I think long-term you, you might end up with another a completely new division for college sports and football in particular. It, maybe 30 teams or so are the, the premier division. And what I would like to see actually, I know you, you are a soccer guy, uh, would, you know, I think something that would be kind of cool and would be the relegation model. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you yep. know, you like, let's, let's relegate Vanderbilt out and bring, you know, Boise state in or whoever, I mean, hopefully one day it's CSU that, I don't know. I, I just think the way the way I mean, money money talks, and the money's going to start flowing down there, and it's only a matter of time before Ohio State and teams like that are going to see what the SEC schools are getting, and they're going to want their piece of it too. All right, let's get back. Let's get back to betting. Um, <laughs> you kind of just mentioned it. Uh, most most uh, books have CSU as four and a half. Um, Looking at our last few years, which which have been tough, last year there's not really much to go on. But uh, if you're betting, um, what would be your read on this line? The over/under. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, I would lean towards if it's four and a half. I would lean towards the over, um, just because I I think there's a handful of games that could go either way for them. Uh, Wyoming, I, I would hope that we see Wyoming's like kind of the little brother team to me. Like I hope we, there's no reason they should ever be on the same level as us. Um, Air force could always go one way or another. It's rivalry games. Um, the ones that are going to be tough for those. I mean, they have a pretty legit non-conference schedule, so they can sneak one in there. I think they could get to five or six. Um, if the number were something like five and a half, I would be a little more hesitant. So, I, I mean, it, and honestly, if I'm going to be honest, I, some of the things that I saw last year uh, don't give me a lot of reason for optimism. So, when you, you mentioned the 51 odds for CSU to win the Mount West, when you guys look at is this team capable of getting over that hump or when you're kind of going through – rankings in the beginning of the season to say, Hey, okay, this, this team we feel is going to have a good year. This team. No, do you look at what are, what are some of the things you look at? Is it like returning number of starters? Is it 
offensive line success, um, coach? I mean, what, what, what kind of metrics are you looking at when you kind of take that all into account? So if we're, if we're dealing with like an over-under win total situation, um, it's, it's kind of an all of the above deal with it. A lot of it will depend on how their schedule shapes up too. So if they're, if they're doing a lot of back-to-back road games, uh, what, what's their non-conference like? Uh, who do they have? Like, do they have a pretty upperclassman heavy returning group? Um, kind of continuity on the coaching staff, stuff like that. It's, it's stuff like that plays a role, especially early on. I mean, if you can get a read on how they're going to be early in the season and things will change in a month with that's every team possible. But if you can get a feel for what the coaching staff likes to do, uh, what kind of, kind of players are going to have back at key positions um, and kind of really what they, how they closed the last season is kind of what we'll look at. When you bet, do you have like a system? Do you have algorithms you have to like seek out value in games or do you just eyeball and trust your knowledge of the game? You look at stats and how, how do you go about betting? I, I was listening to part of your, your last podcast in March where it kind of recapped your, your performance in the Super Bowl. And it sounds like you had a good run there, but what, yeah. what do you, um, yeah. Tell me how, how you go about picking your, your wagers. Um, I do. Well, my personally, I will go. Um, I would say most of my betting is football related just because of my, my history with the sport and my, I have a pretty good feel for the game. Um, I like to go off of a combination of, analytics and and feel there's other things that come into play Uh, there's like uh trap games stuff like that where if you you get a like csu you know who's who's their big uh like i could see south dakota state for example they open the season with that and yeah i could see that being a trap game for them uh just because they have vanderbilt to look forward to stuff like that when there's a big game on the horizon and they have maybe a lower level opponent coming up, especially on the college level. Those tend to be games where you can pounce on the underdog and, and take points and kind of run with it. I know um, a lot of our guys at Sportsline, actually, we have all kinds of models built out. They, they're big, big algorithm guys and simulate the games and they do all that good stuff. Um, I, use, I use their data a lot too. I've always, I've been, that's kind of the cool thing for me working with them now is I've always used their analytics and data to kind of if I'm feeling one way or another I'll check with with what they're coming up with and if it kind of balances out then then I'll go that way I'm a, I'm a I love that short home dog I always thought that was like a good band name short home dog but I I love yeah. to bet those 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 plus threes at home you know where uh the, home the underdogs in the NFL are are kind of gold I mean yeah I, I could pull up the numbers on them but there's it's pretty crazy how even these games, like there's no way the Jets are going to cover against the Bills, but somehow they, you know, they backdoor it. Right. Do you, um, you kind of mentioned this a little bit that you, you still play, do some fantasy stuff with, uh, with some of your old teammates. Do you, do you play like daily fantasy games or do you just kind of do that season long stuff for fun? I do both. Um, the stuff we were, we were doing with like, I, we always, we had a league. It was like Bart's, uh, Clint Oldenburg, uh, Dave Anderson was in it with us for a while. Uh, that was a season long deal. Uh, I, I've been doing, um, we do some, I do some head to head stuff with Clint because he's a big uh, fantasy guy too. 
and he's super sharp guy as far, as far as that stuff goes. And so is Dave, actually. I don't know. I, I know you guys had Dave on at one point. Yeah, he's uh, he's a analytics guru. He built he built his own algorithm for sports betting. I don't know if he told you about that, but he's uh, he's into it too. So it's the daily stuff is is fun, but the problem there is you run into these guys who are uh, massive bankrolls and they're super super sharp and they they're the ones who they like they they, they kind of they're sharks i mean to for mm-hmm. lack of a better term they'll they'll prey on the uh the average joe who comes in and wants to take their shot at a million dollars or whatever right. draft kings and those guys are throwing out there and they'll i mean nine times out of ten when you see someone win a million dollars on there it's some guy with a fancy algorithm and a huge bankroll have you ever hit any decent pots in in uh, like a draft kings or a fan duel nothing along those lines i've had a, a couple that are you know four figure wins um yeah. that are that are okay they're just those those things are so hard <laughs> to win because i mean it is a super super competitive industry at, at when they when you get into those uh high money deals right so it really cool that that we've had legalization of gambling here in colorado and other states that are coming on board as well how do you see the industry changing at all of sports betting because of that well the one big thing that colorado and a few other states has offered that other states did not offer was mobile betting and that's kind of the game changer that's why you've seen uh, FanDuel, DraftKings, and all of them points bet throw all kinds of money at the Denver market. It's because we're mobile and there's, I think what you'll see is all 50 States, all mobile uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, I know that the tax money hasn't kind of really aligned with what um, the state pitched on when we legalized it. Uh, And a lot of that was from my understanding due to uh, licensing fees being lower than they anticipated, uh, which I, I get it, but I mean, I, I think I saw that they ended up charging these casinos something like $2,000 for a gaming license, which is super low for what they're going to make on that. Um, but I, I mean, the revenues that they're generating are insane and they're exceeding expectations <laughs> by a lot. So I think what ultimately, ultimately what we'll see is all 50 states completely mobile, um, really with no regulations. Yeah, um, I've been to a few matches in England, and it's it's crazy that there's there'll be usually attractive women walking by with 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 uh, betting sheets, and there's kiosks like every ten feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we we do have the mobile app, but how how soon do you think that'll happen? Where you go to a game, you go to a Broncos game, and they're handing you the sheets and and well, that right there from your from your seat. I want to say that this year we're actually going to have that at the Bronco game. I'm not sure which um, which sportsbook is doing it, but they're opening up a, a retail location in what, whatever it's called now in Power Field. So there's there's going to be. I think what you're going to end up seeing is a, a little sportsbook in every venue across the country. Um, I know that it'll get a little bit trickier to do. Just say like, do you want to throw one in downtown Denver? Uh, just for you know location stuff. I think it'll be a little trickier to do that, but I think what you're going to see long-term, I don't know that it'll happen at the college level. I know that they're taking these sports books money as sponsors, but I don't see, I don't think you'll see a sports book like in uh, 
Folsom Field or Canvas anytime soon. But I think any any pro venue, uh, Dick Sporting Good Park, uh, Coors Field, all of them will have some sort of a retail sports book. I love live betting. <laughs> is there? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's so fun. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I don't always get the best odds in there, you know. But uh, sometimes every now and then, if you you like when you're behind, your team's behind, you, you can get a, a, a pretty good uh, return there. Is there, you got any, any tips on, on how to be successful in live betting? Uh, live betting, you got to be ready to act quick, especially on, on a mobile thing. If you're watching a game, cause these guys, so uh, Jay Cornegay, a former yep. CSU Ram. Yeah. Has, uh, he's turned into a pretty good friend of mine. Um, he said there. His setup alone, just in his home office, he's he's got about 20 screens going. So if something's something weird's happening, they're going to pull it. So if you're if you're watching a game and you want to go, if there's a, a number you like on a live bet, or even if you have a good feel for it, there's been times where I've been at a, a Bronco game, and like ah, oh, I mean, I feel like momentum's kind of swinging one way or another, and this, I mean, I can still get this at three to one. I'm going to jump on that and and roll the dice. So it's, I think really you got to be. <laughs> It's hard to do sometimes live because I know when I go to games, sometimes I'll be uh, a few beers deep or whatever, and it's hard to pay attention to your phone and watch the odds and watch the game at the same time and do all this stuff. But if you can, if you can pay attention and, and act quickly, you can get some awesome value. What's your favorite book in Vegas? Do you uh, like Super the Circa? Book. Have you been the Circa? I haven't been. You know, I haven't been to Vegas because. Uh, we have these kids that are ruining everything for me. We <laughs> got another one coming on the twentieth. So hey, congrats, yeah. Mike and yeah, I were just you. before you came on. We were lamenting kids. Uh, <laughs> <you know? laughs> so it's funny you say that, but yeah, hey, congrats. Yeah, thank you. So as it stands, uh, I would say the Superbook is my favorite. Um, that's Cornegay's spot, that's right? Cornegay's spot. Yeah, yeah. He's well. They just opened one here too. I, I'm not sure. If he knows, he's probably going to stay in Vegas would be my guess. But um, I, I've heard amazing things about the Circa, and it, I will be visiting. It's hopefully, awesome. Hopefully next fall because I guess we can't leave a newborn. Yeah, it is awesome. It's a great place. <laughs> it's, I, it's man heaven. Well, is, is UNLV going to play at that new stadium? Yeah. Isn't it like half their games they are, half their games are not? Well, last year they were supposed to play like one or two at the old stadium, but I don't know if that's still the case this year. I don't think that old so. stadium. Talk about a dump. That thing was yeah. terrible. Yeah, but they said, uh, you didn't get to enjoy it. Joel and I did. They served now yeah, straight up bars, whole, whole bar, except for one, <laughs> one year there was like a a storm of like these little red flies that just like stuck to you, and it was awful. Like I'm like this is desert. That was my. I think that was my senior season because it was super windy. Yeah, and we that was like our first win in like twelve games or something. Yeah, crazy. Justin yeah. Holland. Yeah, yeah, Justin Holland won. Yeah, I remember yeah. running into him on the field afterwards, and that was cool. The, my last experience at that stadium was um, that bowl game we went to, uh, uh, McElwain that got year, and when he had just left, and I, I think we played Utah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I obviously had a good time, but it was. <laughs> I think we got our ass kicked that game too. Yeah, talking about your stories of San Diego, we uh, we definitely saw all the players at the Hard Rock before, and all the coaches before mm -hmm. that game. So yeah, I yeah. don't being taken too serious. No, you can 
I mean, I guess if you want to talk about that from a betting angle, they, if you happen to be around for a bowl game and you can kind of, you can figure out who to bet on just by uh, going to the, you know, team luncheon or something. <laughs> so I, I got one more question and, and this is uh, one I've asked all of the uh, former CSU athletes that we've had on here. Um, what was your favorite bar when you were in college? That's easy. Lucky Joe's by a mile. I figured you're going to say that with, with yeah. DA, said, DA said the same thing. Yeah. We, uh, we were there after every game. Uh, most weekends we were there. Uh, Kevin took good care of us. Joe took good care of us. Uh, I mean, I guess there was lucky Joe's and everything else Be, beyond that. I used to, used to really like Sullivan's, which I, I don't think is there anymore. Um, Tony's was cool. Uh, used to we used to drink Jaeger at Tony's because they had that spout of Jaeger. And uh, what else was there? God, we before we turned twenty one, a lot of us would go to the uh, the suite on uh, Wednesday nights. Uh, suite one fifty two, I think. I think that's gone too. Uh, I don't even know what's up there. Wash bar was fun. Uh, frequented that on Thursdays. Kind of had a spot for every night of the week. Right, like, that's like, how it worked. At your favorite yeah. spot every night. Yeah, yeah. Tony's about is it, Tony's and Lucky Joe's are the only ones that you mentioned that are still there. Yeah, Tailgate Tommy's was cool too with that rooftop they had. But yeah, I, I, every time I go up there, I'm amazed at what's, what Fort Collins has become, and it's and not a bad thing. It's it's a cool place to be. Well, buddy, this was pretty cool. This is really fun. Um, appreciate all your time. I know we kind of went long, but uh, that was that was fun catching up with you and talking some old stories yeah. and talking gambling. And uh, man, we would love to have some of your tips throughout the the year. So uh, we'll have to keep keep in touch. Brand fans would love yeah. to get your insights. So what, yeah, definitely. Uh, so follow you on uh, at Jimmy J I M M I E Kaler. Uh, at Twitter, and then uh, where where are we finding your stuff, uh, your write-ups on uh, Sportsline? Yeah, just sportsline.com. Uh, there will be some on cbssports.com, but uh, the bulk of it uh, will be on sportsline.com. And that's my dog, sorry. He, uh, <laughs> he's, he's ready for some action now, too. He, uh, Yeah, fair warning, uh, some of our stuff um, on Sportsline is subscription only, but – I will say that our, our guys are pretty damn spot on. Um, made a lot of money during that Euro 2021. Um, looking forward to getting rolling on this NFL stuff too. So hopefully hopefully Vegas and these guys are wrong on the Rams. Hopefully we can – I might actually go bet on the over just to – for that win total just to have I some think, skin in the I game. Think we, I think we can go over the four and a half. I think it's – I hope. I hope so. I hope so. So, but I'm, I yeah. always think I always err on the side of positivity. So, so do I, don't, don't I'm, I'm the guy who I hate betting the under, I, I mean, it's all oh, the under it's is like, a miserable bet every time. It's like betting the don't pass and crap. So I'm always, I mean, this, you know what, a safe bet for me during the uh, Bobo era. I just bet the over every week for the Rams. Hmm. I didn't even look at anything else. Just bet the over. Cause he didn't care about defense, nope. but he could score points. So, yeah. All right, buddy. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, thanks for being on with us. Yeah, always always fun. All right, that was Jimmy Kaler. So awesome to talk with him, catch up with him. Before we go, let me remind you to stop into the Cash Restaurant at Ginger and Baker. It's now open by Wednesday through Saturday. You can grab a craft cocktail, glass of wine from their award-winning wine list. It's earned Wine Spectator's Award of Excellence for four years in a row. 
Then enjoy delicious apps, hand-cut Colorado steaks, chops, fresh fish. You can also stop by their spectacular rooftop in the cafe where they've got live and local music every Thursday on the patio. Take a cooking class in their world-class teaching kitchen. Ginger Graham is a special thing going on there at Ginger and Baker. Stop on into my favorite restaurant in all of Fort Collins. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Michael Rowe. Thanks to our special guest, Jimmy Kaler, for joining us. And uh, that is it for the week. Be good to each other. Have a great week. And go Rams. Go Rams.